Okay, I'm being recorded. There we go. Let me see. Sorry, I'm on my iPhone here. Uh, my name is Yatsik, and since I'm on the record, it's Yatsik K, recovered alcoholic from Madison, Wisconsin. Um, thanks, guys, for having me here tonight. Uh, Ryan, I don't see you, but if you're listening in the future, thanks for volunteering me. <laughs> we'll talk later. <laughs> no, uh, uh, thanks, guys. Um, my home group, uh, my home group here in Madison is called a few simple rules group. We are a big book study. We meet Friday nights uh, at 630 and I have uh, a Zoom meeting. That's my Zoom home group, which is PPG Saturday mornings. And uh, both of those are big book studies. So I'm going to stick as close as I can to the book. But um, I know this is a talk, so I'm going to share my story as well. But, you know, when Josh contacted me yesterday and sent me the flyer, I thought I like meetings where I have a topic to talk about. And I think you guys have a great topic, right? It's the way we established our relationship with God. Um, you know, and I and I looked up that word established in my old 1938 dictionary because I know that passage comes from the book. And it says strengthened or restored. You know, so the way I strengthened or restored my relationship with God, I think that's a great topic for, for recovery because um, as I'll talk about it, it has a lot to do with the steps, right? Um, so before I get there, I'll qualify uh, that I am an alcoholic. And it's not going to be with a drunk log because I don't have a great one. I don't have all those cool stories. Some of you guys do. Um, but I do have um, the two-part disease. Um, I have a physical allergy and a mental obsession. And uh, the physical allergy, the craving for me came right away. Um, 13 years old, at a party. Uh, somebody says, you want to try this mad dog 2020? I'm like, what's that? And I said, fruit punch flavor. I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. <laughs> and, uh, as soon as I took a swig of that bottle, um, that was my first time really getting alcohol in my system. And, um, I drank till I blacked out. I woke up the next day and I'm like, what happened? You know, they're like, <laughs> they had to tell me what happened and, uh, whatever happened, I didn't care. It was fun. And, and I was kind of hooked. You know, so um, so I had that physical allergy right away. And we have that second part, that's a mental obsession that brings me back to that drink. And we talk about crossing the line. I guess I don't know exactly when I crossed the line, but pretty early on, I liked drinking, right? It started with, I like the way it made me feel. I'm too young to buy it, but if I can get my hands on it, you ain't getting none because <laughs> I'm going to drink all I can. Um, and, uh, and that's the way I lived when I, when I started school and all that drinking on the weekends, drinking was the most important thing. When I got my, my jobs, it was always like, can I drink on a job or get away with it or whatever? Because I, I it was my solution guys, you know? Um, and that's when I think the mental obsession started kicking in was, uh, at first it was just fun, but, but after a while I needed it because it solved my problems. Um, and, uh, when people tried to explain to me that I'm an alcoholic, I didn't really listen because they, they didn't speak our language. You know, I, I remember early on being in health class and I said like, here's the 10 reasons. If you can, if you're two out of 10 on this, you're an alcoholic. And I'm like eight out of 10. And I'm like, I guess that means I can drink by myself. I don't need to go to parties anymore because I'm an alcoholic, you know, and no idea what it meant. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, you know, fill in the blanks, stupid things happen. I was a limo driver. You hired me so you wouldn't have to drive drunk. And I was st stealing your beer in the back and then driving the limo. 
while you were at the event, you know, stuff like that. It, you know, the, the stupid things we do. Um, but the stupid stuff started wearing out. The consequences got worse. Um, and the consequences came as a result of my drinking, right? And I guess I'll just step back. I, I usually do a foundation meeting and I'm trying not to do it, but it's hard not to talk about the first step, right? So when I drink, I have a craving. When that craving kicks in, I drink more. When I drink more, I get all these consequences over here, whether it's DUIs, health problems, um, money problems, losing housing problems, whatever. These are all consequences of my drinking. And my family being from Poland and stuff was always like the consequences that makes you an alcoholic. When you're under the bridge with a bottle, you know, that's, that's the common consequence. You're an alcoholic until then you're not. So as far as I was concerned, I still had some consequences to go because I didn't understand my disease. But, but if I, what they told me in AA is the consequences don't matter. You know, so if you're sitting in this room and maybe you're early on and maybe you haven't had a DUI or haven't been to jail, haven't been to anything, can you relate to the fact that you've maybe tried to quit drinking? Because I did. I tried quitting because I had these consequences and they ended up with remorse, shame and guilt enough where I was like, I'm done with this stuff. I'm telling my family I'm done and I quit for good. So maybe you quit like I did, but maybe a week, a month goes by. And the sufficient force wasn't there anymore. The fear was gone. And, and I thought, well, this time it's going to be different. You know, because because look, I haven't drank in three weeks. I'm a good boy. So, of course, I can go have one. And once I had that drink, I was spinning the wheel of misfortune again. It's like drink, 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 drink. Consequence, consequence, consequence. Ding, 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 ding. Quit. Well, this time I quit for a while and I said, well, I know this good boy stuff's not going to whatever, but you know what? Life without alcohol, if you're an alcoholic like me, it sucks. So this time I started thinking, boy, this really sucks. Um, quitting and not having anything. So, uh, so I, you know, maybe I should, maybe I should just be done with life. Right. Um, which pages that we just read, you know, um, there are many situations which arise out of the phenomenon of craving, which cause men to, to make the supreme sacrifice rather than continue to fight. I was ready to make that supreme sacrifice, but then I thought, before I do, I might as well go have a drink because I'm an alcoholic, right? So even, even if I'm going to kill myself, I need to have a drink first. And once I have a drink, my problems seem to go away in my mind, but I continue to drink because the allergy kicks in. Um, and that's part of that mental obsession. The third part of that mental obsession is the mental blind spot where I quit and I'm not drinking and I'm doing fine. And uh, I remember this one because I was going to my friend's house. I had my motorcycle at my friend's house. And at this point, I'm not drinking. I'm going to go ride my motorcycle. And I know he's going to want to have a beer with me. And I'm ready because I'm not drinking. So I come over and sure enough, he's like, hey, Yasek, what's going on? You want a Keystone? I'm like, no, go away. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't making that face, Roy, because I like keystones, <laughs> or I didn't care what it was, right? I'm just like, well, but I'm ready this time. No, dude, I'm here to ride my motorcycle. I'm not drinking. I'm taking a break from that stuff. He's like, oh, cool, cool, cool. You want a shot of something? No, dude, I'm not drinking. And he goes, oh, okay, okay. And then he hits me with this. He goes, well, how about a margarita? And I'm like, Bruh. Mental blank spot. I wasn't ready. I'm like, you got a fucking blender and margarita mix? <laughs> you know, game on. 
it didn't matter that I was going to ride my motorcycle, that I decided to quit and that I had my, you know, I had my trigger list or whatever. Like he's going to ask me for a beer. I'm going to say no, this, that I wasn't ready for a margarita. The margarita got me. Once I drank the margarita, you guys knows what happens. The whole weekend's done. Never rode the motorcycle, barely made it to work. Um, that's my disease. That's what makes me an alcoholic is, is, is when I drink, I, I overshoot the mark. If I go out and say, I'm going to have two, I'm either going to drink to blackout, but even if I say I have two, I'm, you know, I have four, I'm still not drinking at two because I have no control. I have no control once I have alcohol in my system. And the second part of my disease is I have no choice. No matter how many consequences, when I choose not to drink and I gain some self-knowledge and I write up my trigger list or whatever on my own, something's going to get me back to that drink. And I'm in that circle. That's the alcoholic death. I just keep going round and round. Um, and, you know, we're talking about the establishing my relationship with God. There's really no God there for me. Um, it's just me, my selfishness, and my drinking. So I did that long enough till uh, things weren't working. And this time, guys, it was going to be for real. I, I was sober for six months, sober. Yeah, I'm not recovered, sober, not drinking, whatever you want to call it. And after six months, I got so miserable. I thought it was time to do the deal and be done. And this is where God steps into my life. Cause I had met a girl who was an AA. Um, I had met her two years before she was a friend of uh, my, my ex-girlfriend's like friend. I thought she was really weird cause she's 21 and says she's an alcoholic and not drinking. I'm like, you can't be 21 and be an alcoholic. What are you talking about? But I'd met her and, and, and I helped her move and I had her phone number. And, and as I sat there with that six months of not drinking and, and after losing my corporate job, after, after moving, you know, back from Los Angeles to Wisconsin and living in my parents' basement, I was just like, this sucks. I'm not drinking. Life sucks. It's 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 not gonna work. But I but I, I made that phone call and I said, hey. I should say she tried to qualify me two years prior and said I wasn't ready. Which, you know, say that to an alcoholic, it's really effective. Because two years later I told her how much worse it got. And I said, Do you think I'm ready? And uh and I didn't know what she was gonna say because guys, I was done. I didn't really care. I didn't I didn't expect her to say what she said, which is, you know, we're coming to pick you up. We're going to be there in 20 minutes and we're taking you a meeting. And this is a Friday night and I'm calling like a woman who's hanging out with her friends. And the last thing I expected was her to pick up some dude that's sitting in his parents' basement, take him anywhere. Uh, but they came, they got me and they took me to AA. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's part of my story. And that's part of my higher power, um, bringing me closer to it. Um, I went to that first meeting. I thought you guys were kind of crazy. You said two things I didn't like. You said you weren't, you know, we were not drinking. And you said, God. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I thought AA supposed to be like AAA for drunks. Like you guys are going to teach me how to, you know, drink responsibly or, or do something, but not, not God and not drinking. Um, so it didn't really appeal to me. And I'm not going to go into all that, but I, I didn't like it. And, uh, I should also say that like my way of staying sober early on, I wouldn't recommend, but this is my story. And we're talking about what, what brought me closer to God and I'm a hard headed drunk, but I didn't like you guys the AA stuff, but I met a girl and uh, we started dating and uh, she asked her sponsor if she could date me. And I told her, I don't go to AA. I went to you guys' meeting once and it's really lame. She said, well, my sponsor says you're not drinking, but you're not going to AA so I can date you. <laughs> By the way, I don't give dating advice to guys I sponsor, but anyways, that's how it happened. I started dating her. Um, she kept going to AA, 
and every time things weren't great, you know, maybe not a major fight, but we're kind of whatever, she'd go to her AA meeting and she'd come back all happy. And I knew that AA was BS because I went there once and you guys talked about God not drinking. There's nothing going on there. But she keeps coming back happy. She's telling me she's going to a women's meeting, but I'm thinking maybe there's some guys at this women's meeting. She's she's just too cheery, you know? And uh, she said, no, no, it's just, this is what I do. And, uh, you know, the importance of walking this thing and, and walking in recovery and other people seeing it is sometimes more important than, than what we say. Uh, but I watched her, I saw the change that was happening when she was working her program and, and it got me back into to the rooms enough um, that I found, started to find a solution. I started, I started, somebody basically told me that I was going to die doing it my way. So I thought, well, maybe I should get a sponsor, right? <laughs> because, uh, because they were right. Because on my own, I was at, that they talk about, what do they say? Whistling Sally in the dark or something. I was just telling everybody everything's all right, but on the inside, it wasn't. Uh, on the inside, you know, I started getting some stuff back and I started thinking this just isn't worth it. Um, so he called me on it and I got a sponsor and I started working the steps. And uh, this is where I really started to, to, I would say, you know, I said at the beginning that the establish is strengthen or restore. I think at this point I was restoring because I really didn't have any real relationship with God to strengthen. I had given up on God. To me, God was a three-letter word you guys said that I really didn't like. Uh, I thought it was Santa Claus that if I was a good boy, I'd get my stuff, but then he kept giving me the wrong presents and I didn't like him and all this misconceptions. Um, but I didn't want to die either. So, so how did I get past that three-letter word? And I'll tell you, it's always the things in rooms you never know. Again, if you get a big book sponsor, it's a much clearer path I found over time. But back then I was just going to meetings and trying to figure this thing out. And nobody was grabbing me by the arm and saying, I'm going to sponsor you. They were just kind of sharing their wisdom around the rooms. And and we're in a second step meeting. And I, and I bet you some people said some really smart stuff or whatever. But there's one guy, uh, this is down in Miami. And he says, uh, step two for me, there's a God and it ain't me. That's all I got to say about step two. And that is the only thing I heard. But I, it's what I needed. I was like, really? I can, you know, I'm still trying to figure out if I can do this program because I'm trying to figure out this concept of God. And, and this guy tells me that all I need to know is there's a God and it ain't me and I can move on. And it's kind of weird because usually you get a sponsor before step two, but I feel like I did step two and then I went looking for a sponsor because I felt like, okay, I can, if that's all I really need, then I can get a sponsor and work these steps. Um, also in my head, I'll tell you guys, I thought I'd work up to step 10 because I read the 12 and 12. <laughs> so so when I got my sponsor, <laughs> I asked for that first sponsor right after that meeting. And I said, would you be my sponsor? And he goes, he says, oh, let me call my wife something, something. He's, he's calling to make sure that he can stick around after the meeting, not to ask his wife if he can be my sponsor. But he said, let me call my wife and I'll get back to you. So he did. And he gets back and he goes, okay, I can be your sponsor. I said, don't worry about it because I'm already on a 10th step. And he says, what? You, so you've worked with somebody before? I said, no, I read the 12 and 12. I'm on a 10th step already. And so we don't need to do this other stuff. <laughs> and he let me talk for a little bit. And then he laughed and he goes, you're not even on step one, dude. You have absolutely no humility. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. He said, your homework is to go home and look up the word humility and come back and explain to me what that means. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I wanted it because I actually did come back and do that after he insulted me like that. <laughs>
But uh, but there it was. There's my start. I asked a sponsor. I needed somebody to take me through this. I couldn't do it on my own. Um, and uh, you know that first sponsor, we got. We didn't even finish the steps, and I moved up to Tampa, and I got a second sponsor. So my story is not straight through, like I said. But but I got a second sponsor. We finished the step work. Um, and uh, and I say that half testing because we know we don't finish the step work. But in my mind, new guy, I finished the step work, right? Um, I didn't realize that the steps are a pathway to a relationship with a higher power. I thought they were just the destination or whatever. I finished the 12 steps. And I'm looking that I'm, you know, above the village. So I must be there. And I, if I turn around, I'll see that there's a big mountain in front of me and I'm just at base camp. Because all I've gotten to is step 12 and I got work ahead of me, but I'm already thinking I'm done, you know, and, uh, and from there on for actually a long time. And uh, I'm sorry to say, but it was like a good seven years. I kind of did the 12 steps as a self-help program. As long as I'm spot, you know, I'm staying sober one day at a time. And as long as I sponsor enough people, I'm going to stay sober and me, me, me. I want and I know a big reason for that guys is my, my, and I, I don't blame my sponsors. That's where they were, but nobody really explained 10, 11, and 12 to me. They just got me through there. One of my sponsors, I remember said, well, you know what to do at step 10. You're good. You know? So all I knew is I worked through the steps and I had to sponsor guys and, and my sponsorship style, because I wasn't taught a clear sponsorship, uh, through a clear sponsorship through the big book. It was kind of the hodgepodge of what I heard from some sponsors, a little bit of the 12 and 12. And then I'm in charge. That was the big part. <laughs> I got some ideas and you guys need to listen. And, and when I say, call me every day, you better call me at 7 a.m. And if I say gratitude list, you better have that gratitude list to me. And um, and this is me, you know, Mr. AA, uh, uh, telling everybody what to do. And nobody's staying sober, but I am and I'm feeling good. I'm not really feeling good. You guys know what I mean when I say feeling good. Like I'm feeling like I'm Mr. AA, but on the inside, I'm not ready to to kill myself. Like when I wasn't drinking, but I wasn't, I wasn't really feeling that good, guys. I wasn't feeling um, um, happy, joyous, and free. I was feeling like I'm not drinking and I'm doing some stuff about it. Um, and I didn't exactly know what was missing. And and people tried to help me with things. Some people said I need to do service. And I needed to become the group GSR. And I did. And I, I don't say, and I'm not putting down service because it's also important. We have a three sides of a triangle and service is very important. And I became a GSR. But here we're talking about establishing a relationship with God. And really, I still wasn't. I, I became a GSR because this is another way for me to keep myself sober. I'm sponsoring guys and now I'm involved in service. And, and after GSR, I got a district position and now I'm on district. So you really have to listen to me because I got some credentials. <laughs> I'm your sponsor with, you know, a title that says Alt DCM on it. So I really know my AA stuff. And, uh, and again, the service stuff was helpful and I'm not degrading it. I know it's very important and I encourage people to do it. And traditions are part of this as well. But my recovery I didn't have the recovery piece because I didn't fully understand what it meant to work these steps. I, I, so I got through it with that service for a while, but I still couldn't get along with sponsors and I kept firing sponsors because, because I was the sponsor in charge. I thought my sponsor is the guy in charge. And if I'm not happy, it's because my sponsor's doing a bad job and I need to fire him. 
And while I'm on tape, I apologize to all my former sponsors if any of you are listening. It had nothing to do with you. It was me. It was me because I was making those sponsors my higher power because that's what I thought I was. I'm keeping guys sober. My sponsor's keeping me sober. And if I'm unhappy, my sponsor's teaching me the wrong way. And I did that, guys, uh, 13 years in the sobriety until I got my current sponsor. My current sponsor works out of the big book. And uh, even though I told him I had worked all the steps, when I asked him to sponsor me, he said, that's okay. I'm going to take you through the steps again anyway. And this time was even more legit. It wasn't just 12 and 12. I actually had a sponsor and worked the steps. But I was like, well, okay, if you say so. And he started right with step one. Uh, he had me re read this Paul F. essay, which if any of you are familiar, it's this great essay that, that connects step one to every single one of these steps. And he showed me how important it was to realize that without step one, without a true surrender, I'm not really going to do the rest of the step work. And it turned out there's a couple of men's that I kind of didn't think were important. In fact, one sponsor said, you don't have to make them. There was some stuff on my inventory that's kind of didn't think it was a big deal. But I started learning that, that for true freedom, I, that, that if I'm trying to run this thing on my own and I think I know how much inventory I need to do or whatever, I'm still running a show. I'm still playing actor director. And, uh, and, and I can't stay sober like that. I just can't, guys. Um, so he took me through the steps, through the book. And then he'd say things like, I'd start calling him with those questions because, again, you know, I'm still, still thinking sponsors, you know, going to have the answers for me. And he started asking me things like, did you pray about it? And I'm like, well, you know, yeah, God is everything or God is nothing. <laughs> right? I, had a, I had a catchy little saying that's in the book. Um, and he'd say, okay, well, good. And then he didn't really tell me anything else. Besides, well, if I already prayed about it, um, you know. And, and he started, he would, and he still does, tell me specific things when I have specific questions about guys I'm sponsoring. But when I bring him these problems, he turned it around and make it a spiritual thing of that I pray and meditate. Um, he also, and I should say this too, you know, like I said, he took me through the steps and my sponsor doesn't joystick. He didn't tell me what to do, which I thought that's what sponsors did. But he did tell me one thing. He said, you're going to have to do a morning reading and a morning and, and a nightly review. You know, I had to do prayer and meditation every day. And I continue to do that. Um, and I think I've kind of lost track and I tried to follow my bullet points and I haven't, but that was really important because again, we're, he taught me about this idea, what you guys were talking about, that I need to build a relationship with a higher power. That's not what I was doing when I was working the steps on my own. I was building a relationship with maybe AA and, and, and trying to build this new persona, but I wasn't building a relationship with my higher power. I had accepted that there is a God and it ain't me. And I had accepted that if I get in real trouble and pray, something might work, but that's not a relationship. You know, that's, and, and people have said it before, like I've heard people compare it. Like, if, you know, if I spent as much time with, with my wife as I do with God, she would have left me a long time ago because it was like once every few months or whatever. Um, this is really, this, this, the, these steps, the book talks about this being a pathway, you know, a pathway to this relationship. It's not, the end to work the steps the, the steps lead me um to build a relationship with god and that relationship can continue to grow if i continue to do the work and um 
it, it doesn't have to stop as long as I continue to show up and do it. But I got to remember who the director is, you know, and it's not me. And uh, I have a great example of this uh, from this morning, actually, uh, of me trying to be actor, director, because I still do this, guys. I'm not trying to talk from a point of like, yes, and now I pray and meditate and now life is perfect and nothing ever happens. <laughs> uh, so last night, I, I, um, I pulled in with my, my boat and I told my son to move the recycling bin to come and they're supposed to they're coming today. This was yesterday. Pick up the recycling bin. And I said, move it. And being actor director, and I wasn't, I'm not a good director. I wasn't clear. I didn't say move it over by the trash can. I said, move it. So he took that as move it next to the house. And because I was busy with the boat, I didn't see what he did. Um, so when I came out this morning, I noticed that the recycling people came through and that my recycling bin was full and sitting next to the house. Because <laughs> my son listened to my direction, except I wasn't clear, right? He moved it. He moved it next to the house. And my first instinct is the same as always still. I still can turn agnostic was, why did he do that? He should have known better. I told him to move it. This is simple logic. You know, I'm talking about a teenager here. This is simple logic that anybody would know what I meant when I said it. And I'm getting huffy and puffy. And instead of getting in a solution, I'm building a resentment. And without God in my life, you know, if I was real, I would have to call my sponsor and maybe he would have talked me off a ledge. Or whatever. And this is a small thing, but I can make this huge, guys. I can make that little resentment stick in my craw uh, until I find something bigger to drink over. But instead, what I did is I started walking my dog and quickly realized as I'm trying to connect with God and trying to say, let's go. Why, why did this happen? That first of all, they came through my side of the street for the recycling, but they haven't come to the other side yet. So all I have to do is take my little recycling thing and put it on the other side of the street. And I don't live on a big street, guys. I'm in a suburb. <laughs> and they'll come and pick it up. And, and that's how simple the solution was. But I had to stop, pray, and ask God for help. Because on my own, all I could think of was, why didn't he listen to me? I, I, I asked him to do something simple. Blah, 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 blah. Me, 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 me. And when I try to play director, the world doesn't work. And I know Mark Houston talks about this. Is like, I got a script written in my head, but nobody's following it, right? And that's exactly what this was. When I told him, move that thing, I, he knew what I meant, but he didn't. And I know this sounds trivial to be talking about a recycling container, but really this is how all my life was. Any little problem I could turn into a resentment. And on my own, I festered in it and festered in it. I didn't have a solution. I didn't have a relationship with God. I couldn't turn to God and say what to do because I, my ego was in the way. God was too big to be talking about recycling bins and all this other stuff. You know, God was only there for my foxhole prayers when I'm really in trouble. But it turns out that when you build a relationship with a higher power using these steps, you can ask him about recycling bins or whatever else, you know, you're having trouble with. And, then he, and he shows up. And he doesn't say, I'm too big for your little problems, Yatsik. He says, dude, take it across the street. You're fine. You know, why did Yatsik cross the road to take his recycling bin? All right, I'm done with the dumb jokes. Um, I don't know where I'm at with time, guys. I don't have a thing in front of me. Looks like I still got some time. Ugh, but I'm out of material. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. If you, I mean, if you don't have a sponsor, get one. 
as I've said, I had many sponsors. So I found this awesome guy I work with today, but all the other sponsors helped me get there because I was where I was at. I could only be as honest as I could be. And sponsors were teaching me things along the way. So get a sponsor, work the steps, trust in a higher power and go help other people. Because when I turn my thoughts to others, it's another form of clarity. And um, yeah, that's really, that's all I got, guys. I don't have an hour's worth of material, sorry. <laughs> that was excellent. Yasik, yes, Yasik, man. I got a lot out of that. I took notes. Uh, I love everything you said. Um, you really laid it out there. I mean, you told us in, what was it, 30 minutes, exactly how you um, established your relationship with God. And it was a beautiful story, and I really got a lot out of it. And I really appreciate you being here and sharing that with us. Um, well, I guess, you know, we can go ahead and close the meeting and then talk afterwards. I had a couple of questions, but I don't want to uh, I want to go ahead and end the meeting for us. So, um, Eric, will you put up a vision for you, please, sir? And is there someone who would care to read that for me? All right, well, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. And we close with the Lord's prayer. So if y'all will join me.